This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to the Ball on Blast podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander, as always, joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. After a week off, Webby, how you doing, man? What's good? Oh, I'm feeling refreshed. We are getting down to it. These uh, conference finals, you know what? I've heard a lot of people just kind of complaining about like, oh, they're blowouts, this and that. But you know what? Here's the deal. Both are competitive series, okay? And uh, these are definitely two of the best teams in the league in the West. And and then just a knockout, knockdown, dragout fight in the East, like a rock fight. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about these conference finals. I think they're going to go on for a little while longer. Hopefully we get two game sevens. That's what I'm hoping. You know, it's funny. I feel like every year everyone forgets about kind of how the NBA goes along. And what I mean by that is everyone's complaining about blowouts, but at the same time, I'm still entertained because even if you look out West, we, I didn't think this was going to be a series. And the fact that no, you know, we're going to get, yeah, we're going to get at least six games of Warriors Rockets. I'm good with that. You know, even the Rockets, when they won by a big margin, hey, I was still entertained by that game. Obviously, game four was crazy entertaining. <laughs> and in the East, anytime you watch LeBron go down, I think that's entertainment. No, like people are entertained by that. That's cool. Yeah. No? Here's my other thing, too, that I'll say is that. Uh, that crowd in Boston and just the scene in the garden like that, it, there's something about it, man, that makes it must-see TV. You can almost feel the, 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 the volume and the passion coming through the TV. You know what it is? It's a cool reminder of how much home court matters. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a good reminder just that, like, hey, there's a reason why the regular season matters. It matters for, you know, you could have Houston and – Boston both winning basically because they had home court and that game seven came down to their home court and that's pretty cool right because we want the regular season to matter absolutely Uh, my other thing too is and I'm so happy that the rocket series is where it is in terms of being competitive because as I've enjoyed I've enjoyed this NBA season a lot Webby but to be honest I enjoyed it because I wasn't watching the Warriors. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's because my anticipation was that the Warriors would just run over everybody come playoff time. It wouldn't be that entertaining. I wouldn't enjoy it. Like, I just don't find it fun. Kevin Durant joining the best team in the NBA already. Like, I, I just. I want nothing to do with the Golden State Warriors. Do you know what I mean? It's been a funny narrative with that team, especially this year, is that the cracks are starting to show already, right? Yeah. And that, that kind of, um, you know, Simmons wrote the book about it and Pat Riley and that disease of more, yeah. the disease of me, you know? And it's like yeah. they've talked about it this year too, Golden State, about how do we stay motivated and – you know, it seems like this season, more so than the last four that the Warriors have gone through, it's like they're almost bored and they need something to get them up rather than just be the avalanche that they've been the last three or four years. So it's really interesting to see almost like a flawed Golden State team compared to this Golden State or compared to this Houston team now that's been almost built to be the anti Warriors and to finally have them meet in the conference finals. It's awesome. How crazy is it too? You have Mike D'Antoni doing Mike D'Antoni things as in I'm playing seven guys. Deal with it. <laughs> right? Like, that's amazing to me. Well, that's it, too, right? And we talked about that when the playoffs started. It's like, as you get deeper in the playoffs, man, and you can't be going nine, ten deep. It's like you have to go with your best guys. It's, it's, it's winning time. It is winning time, right? Such a good theme, and it's so factual at this point in time. And it was interesting watching the end of Game 4 between uh, the Rockets and Warriors, just because Chris Paul, it was a reminder, man, the point God that is Chris Paul. It was a throwback, man. And for a guy that takes a lot of beating, 
you know, over the years, he's been losing tough series to the Warriors for years and years. This is his chance. He came in banged up, but to pull out that performance at the end of game four, to me, when James Harden looked like he was spent. I mean, everybody looked like they were dead. Draymond was missing dunks, but what a game. To me, that's the playoffs. I know everyone was missing shots, but to me, that was so exciting. What was it, like 12 points in the fourth quarter for the Warriors or something? <laughs> right. That was, so good. It's nuts. So good. But I mean, and that's Chris Paul, though. You know, like, you can say what you want about, uh, you know, the playoff performance and, you know, maybe not the easiest guy to to, to play with. And uh, uh, one of the uh, all-time nut shot kings, somebody who go after the who will go after the jewels every once in a while. But that's the thing about Chris <laughs> Paul. Man, he is tough. The battle between him and Draymond, So, eh? so tough. Yeah, exactly. They're one and two <laughs> in nut shot rankings. But they're, but he's, I mean, for a little guy, he's just so smart and so tough and just one of the best at the position, not by, you know, having the best range in the game, being able to shoot the lights out or even being the prettiest passer. He's just a basketball player, man. I know it's cliche and dumb as that sounds, but he's the prototypical tough bulldog point guard do you have any of these friends or maybe one of your co-workers maybe that's a ball fan well i use the term ball fan while doing air quotes but they're like the bandwagon they jump on the golden state bandwagon they were probably a miami heat fan eh. four years ago you know <laughs> what no, probably honestly, a lakers fan before that honestly you know what you would think so but again i think that that warriors backlash has really completed itself hmm. i don't think that like Listen, everybody got swept up in the Warriors. You know, it was something exciting and like, wow, this team can just drop 70 points on you and a half or 80 points on you and a half, no problem. But now because of the, you know, I think the KD, the obviously getting KD and, and that prolonged uh, success, it wears. It, wear, it wears on fans, you know? And so uh, there'll be Houston Rockets jerseys that you'll see now, and hopefully in a couple of years, Sixers jerseys that you'll see too. Oh, still holding out hope for the Sixers, eh? I'm still just waiting for, for I figure, like, LeBron, you can just sign him. You don't have to trade for him. Yeah. Just sign him, right? You don't have to give up anything. Super interesting. And, of course, that's the, the subplot that continues in you know, as we're recording this right now, the Rockets and Warriors are playing game five of their series in Houston. Should be another great matchup for sure. So it's been if good we, early. It's been really good early. If we tend to react to something going on while this game <laughs> yeah. while this game is happening, while the podcast is happening, you'll understand because we're ball fans, right? But let's let's shift gears, Webby, and talk a little bit about LeBron. You mentioned it could be you know, we could be witnessing LeBron's last game in Cleveland, right? Again. Like that could, again, that could be a thing. So <laughs> In the, Boston, too, isn't that in wild? In Boston. Like, it's crazy well, how I guess it his, would be in Cleveland. But, I mean, it, it's just against Boston. It's crazy how his career has been linked so much to whatever's going on with the Celtics, right? And I know, it's crazy. LeBron, once again, I guess the narrative coming off of Game 4 was, or sorry, Game 5, is... Is LeBron tired? Okay, and we saw all this, all of the the. They kept showing all these replays of LeBron James, right? Kept showing him sitting there looking just drained on the bench. They showed him he he's on the court. He's kind of walking up and down the court. It became a huge thing, and I want to start here, Webby, because there there's a the number one LeBron hater in the media has to be Skip Bayless, and I just thought that right. this 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 sums it up perfectly, right? Skip Bayless during last night's game said, quote, This is just pathetic. LeBron is sitting on the scorer's table, chugging water, trying to show the gullible witnesses he's dehydrated. Next, we'll hear he's suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome. Unreal. <laughs> now, that is a Skip Bayless hot take, but, but the point here, I think if we real skip in a little here, is do you think LeBron was kind of playing up the whole I'm tired thing or... Is he actually spent? Listen, LeBron and I are the same age, okay? <laughs> okay. Which is sad if you <laughs> put both of us next to each other, okay? Yeah. This weekend, I was at a bachelor party weekend in Blue Mountain, okay? And I partied. Mm -hmm. And I partied about as hard as LeBron James plays basketball. <laughs> 
I went for three days straight. Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. And let me tell you, I was exhausted on Tuesday. All right? Exhausted on Monday and Tuesday. Now, that's not even from playing basketball. All right? (laughs) I played a little tennis, a little bocce ball. How's the backhand? How's the backhand? Yo, better than the forehand. I'll tell you that. But, man, I was spent. So, yes, LeBron is tired. Absolutely, he's tired. For sure. I mean, you were the one who brought that stat to my attention far before anybody else did about LeBron taking the fewest uh, yeah, or so having the slowest average speed. Yeah, and so now that stat's been blown out. Yeah, so, so basically, of course he's tired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, LeBron has to carry the load for his entire team, right? And at the end of the day... It's not even that he, obviously he's scoring a lot of points, right? And if you're James Harden, you got to score a lot of points. We get that. But the other part of what James, why you see James Harden so tired and why, you know, the benefit of having Chris Paul is sometimes James Harden can just give the ball to Chris Paul and he can also create a play, right? What LeBron had the luxury of before with Kyrie Irving was that he could give Kyrie the ball. And Kyrie could create a play, right? And he doesn't really have that luxury anymore. Because what are they really getting from the bench right now, Webby? Well, not only that, but it seems like every Kevin Love bucket has to come from LeBron completely creating. Yeah. You know, like Kevin Love's not getting his own shot. There's really nobody else on that team that gets their own shot that consistently goes in. Yeah, it's so true. And it's crazy to see... Basically, J.R. Smith, George Hill, you're getting nothing from those guys on the road. And at home, they played a bit better, right? Which made the load at least a little bit more manageable for LeBron James. But at the end of the day, you can't expect LeBron to do every single thing and then play defense at the other end of the floor. Of course, he's going to have to pace himself because he knows especially come fourth quarter time in any type of close game, he's going to have to create literally every single play for his team. And what else What else do you want from the guy? He's going to have to rest at some point. He's not going to play. Anytime he goes to the bench, their offense pretty much falls apart because, again, you're getting nothing from Hill. You're getting nothing from JR on the road. You're getting nothing from Rodney Hood. Like, I don't even know what happened to Rodney Hood, but it's just pathetic if you're LeBron James, right? Well, and and not only that, like, but like you said, LeBron sees this as a negative when people bring it up. Yeah, you know, but it's not. It's not a negative for him. It, it just goes to show how smart of a basketball player he is, and how much he understands what he means to the success of the team and where he's most effective. I mean, LeBron is also averaging, what, a triple-double in these playoffs? Like, that's kind of insane when you break that down as well, right? Just what this guy's been able to do on the court. The fact that now, you know, you mentioned the the stats, right? And we were talking about that a while ago. I think it was in the Pacer series, right? Yeah. Where we discussed that uh, the second spectrum stats showed that LeBron James was actually uh, – I think it was an average of they basically how it works is they track your movements on the floor, right? Right. And they were and breaking how fast it down. Yeah, they're breaking it down into three intervals: uh, slow, medium, and fast. And basically, what it showed was that LeBron James was spending seventy-five percent of the time that he was on the court, he was basically walking. Compare that to about I think it was like six or seven percent of the time where yeah. he was going at full speed. So. It's just showing you that he's pacing how he's playing. And if you watch the game, if you use the eye test, you can see the exact same thing. But the reason why this wreaked its ugly head again was because at this time, LeBron James was said to be playing at the second slowest pace of anyone in the conference finals. And I'm pretty sure it was second to only Zaza Pachulia. So when Our people, boy. Yeah. So when people hear that, they kind of go crazy because they're thinking, wait, what? Like LeBron's playing slow? Like did he lose a step? What's going on? And again, no, it's just LeBron pacing himself because that's how he has to play if he's going to play the entire game and average a triple-double. He has to pace himself. He has to rest on the court. The other part too, Webby, we know LeBron gets crushed a lot whenever – he takes a foul and he's on the ground, like pretending to be more hurt than he might actually be. Holding his head. But we know he's resting, right? Like he's resting on the court, right? If he can get an extra breather, cheat an extra 30 seconds by laying on the ground a little longer, he's going to take that, right? But Listen, he owns part of Liverpool. He knows from watching. 
the soccer <laughs> that, you know, you got to embellish some injuries to give you a little breathing time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And so um, that's the thing. You, you just look at what LeBron James has been able to do. But can he do this again? Can he, you know, win at home and then win a game seven in Boston, Webby? Like, what do you make of that? Well, listen, it's LeBron. He, he, of course he can. Now, winning at home, obviously, going to be a little easy, easier for him because you know he's just going to get all the calls in the world. He might shoot 20 free throws in Game 6 because uh, forcing a Game 7 is something that the league is going to want, I have a feeling. And we all know that the NBA likes to get a little fishy every once in a while with the officiating. So it wouldn't surprise me if he got the benefit of a lot of whistles in Game 6 at home. But, uh, yeah, I think a Game 7 in the East is what the people want to see. So that's what I'm rooting for. The other thing, too, is I don't know if I would be that, you know, if I'm Boston, I'm not trying to rely on the fact that I have a Game 7 at home. Just because I feel like exactly what you just said. I'm not giving the NBA refs a chance to mess around and let LeBron get to the NBA Finals. Because we all know... That and and you know it's it's different than refs throwing games. It's different than that. Like they believe in narratives too, right? Like they're human beings. They see what's going on. And at the end of the day, I'm not letting LeBron drive to the basket and get every foul call imaginable, right? And I'm not giving that chance. If I'm Boston, my big speech here is let's take care of business in Cleveland. Let's do what we can to avoid a game seven because I don't even want to give LeBron James a chance in a game seven to do some like crazy shit that we've never seen LeBron James do before. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Easier said than done, though, the way that the Celtics play on the road. and They're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That is true, as you would know from uh, (laughs) watching your squad, right? Kind of let some games slip. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you're telling me, especially at home. (laughs) Got to take care of business on the home court. But that's for another day. Um, It's going to be interesting to see... What strategy Brad Stevens uses for Game Six, like starting Baines, as weird as it sounds, has really caused a lot of problems for the Cavs, especially early in the games. Yeah, Baines is just one of those guys. I mean, the entire Celtics team, right? Like to me, this sums it up. I think was it on one of our podcasts, and everything's kind of a blur now because there's been so many different yeah. uh, different ones that we've done, whether it was the live Raptors ones or our regular Ball on Blast podcast. But in one of them, we were talking about uh, just showing like toughness, right? And when teams think like the measurables that, that can't be defined by stats, right? And right. one of the things that showed me that I was still worried about the Raptors' lack of toughness was there was a shot during the Wizards game, game six, where the Morris twin, Marquise Morris, right? Marquise Morris. Marquise Morris. My bad. I combined their two names. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Marquise Morris walked into the Raptors bench and straight up pointed into OG Ananobi's face. And nobody on the Raptors did anything. And I kind of watched that and I was like, whoa, that's not a good look. Like, you can't let that happen to your rookie. And I bring that up because of something that happened at the end of game five when Larry Nance gets thrown to the ground. Marcus Smart, or Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris stands over him, talks a little smack. Larry Nance gets up and tries to defend himself. But if you pay attention to what else was happening on the court, all the other Celtics were gathered around Larry Nance, ready to go. And the other Cavs were kind of just like, you know, walking towards it, you know, and it wasn't even that big of a a deal to them. You know what I mean? And and just the visual. I saw the same thing. But you know what I mean? I saw the same thing. Do you understand what I mean, though, Webby? Like, the visual of that, it's just not a good look. Like, the Celtics team just looks so much more engaged. Like, uh, what's my guy's name? Terry Rozier came out of nowhere to push Nance after Nance got up and pushed Markeith Morris, or or Marcus Morris. I keep, I'm just going to say the Morris (laughs) twin. Okay, how about that? So yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. But you know what I mean? It, it just looked like a Celtics team that's together. They're tough. They have each other's back. Like they're not going to back down. And I just think all those intangibles that you hear described to describe like hockey players or white wide receivers in the NBA or in the N- in the NFL, sorry, right? To me, that's the Boston Celtics team and you have like the Terry Rogiers and the Morris Twin and and uh and Marcus Smart 
who are just these guys, they're, they're not going to back down. They're ready to go. They're not afraid of LeBron. They don't care that it, they're going against LeBron. And instead, they're thriving at that moment. Did I just, I love that side of sports because it can't be measured by a statistic. So you know what that is to me, too? That's coaching. Ooh, really? And, that, okay. and that's, well, not, that's not X's and O's, but that's building a culture in the locker room. Okay. And I think that starts with the head coach. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that even if Hayward and Kyrie had been playing, the, the Celtics would have that same kind of attitude. And, and that's that, that's a we before me mentality. Yeah. And, and I, I honestly think that, like, that's built through practices, that's built through playing together, that's built through having the culture throughout the locker room. And like I said, that starts with the head coach, man. And and what, what a great job. I, I can't believe what a great job Boston has done, and it makes me so pissed off. But from, from the general manager to the owner, down to the coach, down to the players, it's like it's a really well-run franchise right now, and they have their future right in front of them. It's, it's crazy what the Boston Celtics have done, and LeBron kind of seems all over the place, right? He seems kind of frazzled. On the one hand, he looks super tired, and he might he, he'll, he'll let us know that he's tired, but at the same time, like, you know, when they came at him telling him those, those slow-paced stats, right? He's kind of, I mean, this, I, didn't, I don't think this was on camera because I'm pretty sure it was only quoted to The Athletic, but you don't really see or hear James kind of take this kind of tone. But when he, he, I think he's kind of flustered by the Celtics because when people came at him with this stat about his slow pace that he's been playing with, he said, quote, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. That tracking bullshit can kiss my ass. The slowest guy, get out of here. Tell them to track how tired I am after the game. Track that shit. I'm number one in the NBA on how tired I am after the game. <laughs> right? Um, that's a guy that's tired, I think. No? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. Oh, man. This playoff has been super crazy. And the lore of what's going on with LeBron James as I, I hated the narrative last week that the whole – Jordan versus LeBron thing like I'm so over that debate what about you like what do you what do you make of that debate I'm so over but I hate that it became a thing yet again and I was like what he didn't even make it to the finals yet for people to start bringing up Mike like why is this a thing but it's a thing because you know what Mike it is never would have lost more, to Boston and it's like get nah, out nah, of nah. here with that right I think it's more of I think it's more of a Michael Jordan thing because uh ever since he retired Year in, year out, we've been waiting to say who's the next Jordan. Yeah. And it's been everybody from Vince to Kobe to Lamar Odom Odom to Harold Miner. (laughs) And we we finally got this player who's a transcendent talent, who dominates, who's got the will to win, who's a force of personality. So, of course, he's going to get compared to Michael Jordan. But here's the thing. They play two completely different positions. Thank you. Not only that, but they have two completely different skill sets. Yep. Their bodies are different. The The only thing that, that, that links them is that they're fantastic athletes who win a lot. Yeah. And, and, and like, listen, so the comparisons are always going to be there. It's uh, In football now, whenever there's a quarterback, always going to be compared to Brady. Yeah. There's always going to be comparisons. Always going to compare them to Wayne Gretzky and Sidney Crosby. That's just how it goes in sports, but I, I don't pay that a lot of mind. Uh, I even in the ranking of of greatest basketball players of all time, and I, I think it was Charles who was saying this. Charles Barkley was saying that it's not necessarily who's the best; it's who's the best of your era. Ah, right. Yeah, and there's different eras, like right. And J- Jordan was the dominant one of his era, and then LeBron is the dominant one now. And you know what? I'm I'm okay with that because I don't need. Mike to be better than LeBron or or LeBron to be better than Mike. Like to me they're just two different great players, right? And like at that top tier level, do I think that Mike is better than LeBron? Yes. Am I always going to think that? Cool. But I'm not here for the debate after every single like nothing that happens like to me, right? What what ends up happening with this debate, I feel like if LeBron makes it to the finals and loses, then it's oh, well, look at his finals record. 
I'm not right. going to hold it. Like, it doesn't make LeBron any less great that he's losing to a Golden State team that's one of the best teams in the history of basketball. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like all these things that people bring up now to bring down LeBron and and leave Mike up there, it's, like, not fair to LeBron. Like, I'm not going to blame LeBron for losing to Durant, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. No. You know what I mean? And and, and it, it doesn't make sense to me because it doesn't make Mike that much any greater because, obviously, Mike hasn't played in, like, what, 25 years? But it doesn't make LeBron any worse. He's losing, taking L's, dropping, like, 40 point triple doubles to the greatest team in NBA history. That doesn't make him any less of a, of a great player. Right. And that's why I'm tired with the argument. But anyways, uh, it'll be interesting to see if this series can get pushed to seven. And if LeBron has another virtuoso performance left in him to, to go to game seven. But you know, if he pulls this off, man, with this team, you said it. You've been saying oh, it all no. year, Webby, and I'll, I'll give you this. This team is so trash. You've been it's saying this so is the bad. worst LeBron team. You have been saying this, that this is the worst LeBron team that we've seen for the longest time. And I got to agree with you, Webby, now. I, I was holding out. I was saying, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure. <laughs> you were right, Webby. This is the worst LeBron team that I've seen. I mean, Kevin Love scoring 14 points in, in game five, like – Ugly. That can't happen. Kyle Korver is especially like their best eight, Especially when Kevin Love scores eight of those 14 points in like the first five minutes. Right? It's so crazy. Yeah, What's Kyle Korver Kyle Korver's their third best player. And, and Kyle Korver's washed as fuck. <laughs> Speaking of, this was on our topics list, but as we come up to Kyle Korver, maybe this is a time to bring oh, yes. this up. I love this. Did you see this story? Speaking of washed, it's like... <laughs> So, I mean, here's the thing, right? It's been a tough go-around for Carmelo Anthony, right? Yeah. It's been a tough season for Carmelo Anthony. And I will say I, I pause a little bit on this story because I've seen some people come out and say, are we sure that this was actually Carmelo that commented on this? And so yeah. we, we put up a little bit of hesitation, but it's just too funny to pass up. So someone put up a picture on Instagram, and it's a split of Kyle Korver, and Carmelo Anthony. And the caption says, Who would have thought during the 2003 draft that 15 years down the line, Kyle Korver would be a better NBA player than Carmelo Anthony? So if you scroll down the comments a little, you see that Carmelo Anthony says, Had to comment on this one, FOH. For those who might not be uh, computer literate, FOH. Down with the FOH army with Shea Serrano? Might be, fuck out of here. So, (laughs) (laughs) first off, I just find everything about this hilarious, right? Because I forget that Kyle Korver was in the 2003 draft. I always forget about that. Come on, pick of the Philadelphia 76ers, I think. I mean, Kyle Korver has had a very good career. It's funny, right? Because, I mean... Carmelo Anthony coming out of Syracuse, obviously a great, great player. Melo's had a very good career. But is this comment that far off? Did Kyle Korver have a better season than Carmelo Anthony this year? Um, Yo, the whole fact that we're thinking about it to me gives us justice, right? (laughs) It's so funny. It's true, though. It's interesting. It's like, it's literally like, uh, well, it's not. I mean, Carmelo had, I think, one of his worst shooting years of his career. Yeah, Carmelo did not and play I, well at all this year, at all. And on the other hand, Kyle Korver kind of reinvented his career this year. Kyle Korver is still a very relevant piece on a team that's in the conference finals, whereas Melo was a non-factor on a team that lost in the first round. Now I know that it's East versus West, and hey. OKC probably would have won a round or two in the East. I, I, I believe that firmly. But I found this whole thing funny. And, and what do you make if this is Carmelo Anthony and players commenting on like Instagram posts or <laughs> like what, what do you make yeah, of that? It's time? great. No, I, li- I, I like that. I want to hear Carmelo's real thoughts on this. I don't want it to get filtered through publicists and management yeah. and things like that. And you know, but here's the thing that every NBA player, every professional athlete uh, has to realize and that some of them learn the hard way is that the Internet is undefeated. 
It is. So if you put it out there, we're going to find it. But, hey, yeah, you've got to be mature and you've got to uh, – you can definitely get out there and and let people know what your thoughts and feelings are. And a lot of athletes do that in really interesting and cool ways. And I think this is – I've got no problem with Carmelo doing this. I think it's funny, right? Also, too, I think uh, this is a really good look if this is Melo because I think it's a lot better than what we saw from Kevin Durant making up the fake – ghost account and then trying to troll right fans. i respect it a but lot again, more if you're going to be you and disagree with the fan and be and and you know troll the fan back let's say but again hey that's uh that, that that's part of that internet is undefeated we're gonna find out if that's your burner account you know <laughs> right so just you may as well just get out there and be honest right then try and you know, create any kind of smoke screen or anything like that. I mean, that's what the modern athlete has that nobody has had before in the past is like direct access to your fans. So true. And the, the, the burner account from Kevin Durant, I will never forget about that. That to me will always be the corniest thing ever. And that's also the most millennial (laughs) shit in sports in sports journalism history that happening is crazy so true so other big news today uh as we film this podcast on thursday night is the all nba teams came out today webby so i'll go through the teams first and you tell me if you had any problems with the teams right so on the all nba first team we have lebron james james harden anthony davis damian lillard and kevin durant the All-NBA second team is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I love saying that. Antetokounmpo. Russell Westbrook, Joel Embiid, LaMarcus Aldridge, and DeMar DeRozan. All-NBA third team, Steph Curry, Victor Oladipo, Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George. Webby, I ask you, so, what do you have? Do you agree with this, the All-NBA teams? What, what sticks out to you the most here? Okay, so uh, it's a totally a, a regular season uh, award, right? The, this is for regular season. Luckily for, for DeMar DeRozan, yes. Okay, so here's the thing that was a little weird to me then, was Dame first team, Oladipo third team. Ooh, interesting. That's interesting. I mean, and because I, I think Oladipo is going to win most improved player, right? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty yeah. much a lock, I would yeah, think. Yeah, that's a safe bet, for sure. I'd agree with that. He he put that team on his back. Um, They overperformed. I guess you could say the same about Portland, yeah, the, though, Yeah, the Blazers, that run the Blazers had, and, you know, counter that with Kawhi never coming back, and obviously Jimmy Butler getting hurt. OKC was never able to figure it out. All of, uh, I yeah. mean, DeMarcus Cousins also getting hurt. All those things combined with, a Portland hot streak towards the end of the season that did propel Dame Lillard into some people's MVP ba- ballots, right? Yeah, so, I know he was up there. I know he was up there. It's kind of crazy too that Westbrook averages a triple double for the season and yes. doesn't make first team NBA. Thank you, Webby. That's that's kind of cra- that is that's kind of exactly crazy. where I was going to go. So Russell Westbrook <laughs> averages a triple double. Kind of crazy. Well, he averages a triple double last year, and that's good enough for to win MVP and be MVP. first team All NBA. You average a triple double again, and now all of a sudden that bumps you down to second team All NBA. That and, that doesn't and, make sense to me. That doesn't make sense. And had a better had a better record finished finished with a higher seed than they had last year. Or? Yeah, they finished. I'm pretty sure they had a higher seed, or if not, it's the same seed. But I think either last year there were six, and this year there were five. But it, it's close either way. But they won more games. I think it was only like a couple more games that they won. But to me, bottom line is it, it doesn't make sense that you can win MVP and be first team All NBA for averaging a triple double for the season, and then now you're beat out by Kevin Durant and Dame Lillard, right? Like James Harden and LeBron James, I have no arguments there. Anthony Davis, no arguments there. Durant, I get it; he plays. I on. don't have any. I don't have any arguments with Kevin. So Durant my argument would be team. with Dame Lillard then, right? And I would say I'd move Russ up to the All NBA first team. And then as I look at it, you know, Dame Lillard would, would be DeMar- on the second team. Yeah. And I'd, I'd probably move DeMar to third team and have moved Steph up or Oladipo because Steph was hurt 
a bunch. Yeah, I would say Oladipo more than Steph because Steph missed so many games. Yeah, Steph missed a bunch of games. Are you surprised that Paul George and Jimmy Butler both made a third-team All-NBA, or you're okay with that? No, no, I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. I really like, uh, obviously, Joel making uh, second-team NBA in his first real full season. Yeah, that's a big that's I mean, a big year for Joel. And as we stop off on Joel, one of our other topics we had down on our list here was you've been keeping up with JoJo's uh, vacation, <laughs> water slide adventures. <laughs> Where is he? He's in. At, is he in the Bahamas? I think he's in yeah at Atlantis. Okay. Yeah, in the Bahamas. <laughs> I've seen him on the water slide. He's playing like pickup basketball with like the most random dudes ever. It looked like like did you see the, that video? I didn't see the basketball one. I just and I just heard about the water slide that he was just too scared to go down. He was it. terrified to go down the water slide, which was amazing to watch a six or what am I talking about? Six, a seven foot, seven, seven foot three, seven foot four dude, just <laughs> yeah. terrified of anything. Um, it was amazing to see that, but also him just playing pickup basketball on the resort with like just other random people on the resort <laughs> was pretty funny as well. Shout out to Jojo. Always entertaining. Living his best life. Always living his best life. Still finding time to throw shade at Aaron Baines on Twitter too. jojo is just amazing all entertainment all the time one of the main reasons why we love the nba right oh man just one of the many one of the many reasons indeed one of the things that we missed last week right was uh the raptors let go of Dwayne casey and it was a weird thing pour one out Pour one out for Dwayne. Pour one out for Coach Casey, indeed. And it was something we talked about. Would he suffer this fate after a disappointing loss to LeBron James again in the NBA playoffs? Now, And we knew they weren't going to get rid of the GM. Yep. We knew they weren't going to get rid of their two-star player. So, I mean, it, it's true. See you later, Dwayne Yeah, Casey. we wondered which way it would go. And my assumption is, and the way that this all kind of leaked out, the fact that it was... Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, that was the first one to have that Dwayne Casey was fired. And then magically later on in the day, he was the only one to have a quote from Kyle Lowry on Dwayne Casey's firing. (laughs) I'm just going to let you guys connect the dots on that. But, you know, the fact that it went down that way tells me that Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, the Raptors core will be intact next year. Like, it doesn't strike me that you would get rid of Dwayne Casey and get rid of Kyle and DeMar. It doesn't really seem something so now, like something that would go down, right? Doesn't that also say to you that they won't be hiring internally? See, I go the other way. I think they will be hiring internally. And the, the, but why why bring that unit back? That was it just Dwayne? No, like, definitely, or definitely the, not. I think in this situation, Webby Dwayne Casey is the scapegoat, and I think that you know this is all about perception. Because I think that we spent a lot of time watching a terrible organization in terms of the Toronto Raptors franchise and the teams that they were putting out there, right? A long time of being irrelevant, a long time of not making the playoffs, a long time of just being absolutely crap. And so now you run into a situation that you stumbled into, right? Which is a funny thing that everyone seems to forget, but... They stumbled into this, right, where you have DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry as your core, and you've been able to interchange pieces around it. And yes, credit to Dwayne Casey of being able to work in those new pieces each and every year and improve the team each and every year around Kyle and DeMar. But now you're at a place where the franchise is relevant. You're at a place where the franchise is making the playoffs consistently and being able to turn out not only postseason revenue from ticket sales, but also you're able right. to charge more for regular season tickets each and every year because now you can boast, hey, we're coming off our best regular season ever in franchise history. So to me, everything that they're going to do is about perception because you want to make it seem as if you're trying to do something to try to win a championship, but I don't think they're going to risk you know, trading DeMar or Kyle and having it not work and fall back into the crappy team that we were so used to. Yeah, but at some point, it can't be a soft rebuild like they've Mm -hmm. done. Uh, It's going to have to be a hard rebuild. rebuild. It's going to be a a blow-it-up situation. And the real tightrope that you walk, especially with the Raptors, is like, all right, you know, 
uh, how long is holding on to these guys going to be too long? And when is the value of a DeRozan or a Lowry or a Valanciunas or somebody else going to dry up completely? Yeah. And then you're then you're left with no hope. Whereas you'd rather you know be able to get as much as you can for these guys, and then build rebuild like that. No, you're totally true. You're totally right, Webby. And I think it's it's a def- difficult balancing act. And I think if you ask Masai, he would tell you that they think that they're retooling as they go along, right? So yes, you're paying Kyle Lowry a lot of money. You're paying Serge a lot of money. That might be your one big mistake, Serge Ibaka, right? But I bet you they would tell you that, hey, they got two more years left. That last year we know of bad contracts in the NBA. There's always a way you can get out of it because someone wants that expiring deal, right? right? So they'll tell you that, hey, Kyle Lowry and Serge, no matter how it goes, there's still only going to be two more years of that, right? And at the same time, you can say you're developing these kids. You're, you're accumulating assets that if Fred or DeLon or whatever, you don't got to bring all those guys back. But if they all turn, and even OG, if they turn into big enough assets, now those are trade chips that maybe can help you turn something into you know a bigger piece down the line. You know what I mean? And I think uh, uh, if you ask Masai, honestly, he would tell you that he thinks he's trying to do both at the same time, that rebuild on the fly that's not really a rebuild more like a retool right you're not you're not selling your future down the line but you're still able to look at your bosses and say hey we're still in the playoffs every year we're still one of the top teams in the east we just keep losing to lebron so is everybody else in the east for the past eight years right so yes it's a bad look because obviously indiana won three games against cleveland boston without their two best players won three games against cleveland and the raptors got swept (laughs) yeah. <laughs> like but real this, heads know real I, you're a real head you this, know that this is not a good look for the raptors i'm talking about the perception for the foolish fans right but 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 that's why i don't understand hiring from within that's why i don't understand hiring nurse or stackhouse yeah. because you're just re, you're just retreading what you just treaded back out there these guys aren't going to come in with a fresh set of eyes yeah they saw they were part of what was successful this year, and they're just going to try and run it back again. It's interesting. I, That's why. I, what are some of the names that are out I there though, in terms of other guys that they could bring in from the outside, it's like bro. Monty Williams? Like, bro, do you want to hear? Oh, please don't say. Do you want to hear? Please don't what, say what I think you're going to say. You know what oh, I'm going to no. say, okay? How many national oh. championships did Brad Stevens win? Oh, How many geez. national championships did Brad Stevens win? Webby, I like I. You cannot bring in Kyle. I think Webby's talking about who Jay coached Wright. Kyle Lowry in university. Webby is talking about he Jay has Wright, a relationship. Kyle Lowry's he coach. has a relation. Yep. He has a relationship with one of the moodiest players <laughs> in the league. All right, and I love Kyle, but he's got a he's got a rough personality. Okay. And bringing in a coach like Jay Wright allows you to bring in a whole new coaching staff and a real culture change. Do you think that Jay Wright would be a successful NBA coach? Like, take try to remove your Philly and Villanova <laughs> bias a little bit here. Okay. And, and do you think that Jay Wright would be a good NBA coach? Try and remove your bias. Wor- worst case scenario, he's Eddie Munster. Worst case scenario, is Billy Donovan. <laughs> okay. Okay, and well, you know, you know, I've had my gripes with Billy Donovan yeah. before, and he he got put. That's a different situation, coaching uh, Durant and, and Westbrook than Demar and Kyle, especially not having a previous relationship with those yeah. guys. But I'm just saying, it's something different. Yeah. You look at you look at another college coach that's just down the road in 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 Brad Stevens and the success that he's had, and and why why not Jay Wright? I, I'll say this, Webby. I don't know. I can't speak on how good of a coach I think Jay Wright is. Obviously, he's had successful look, a successful career at Villanova. Can't take that away from him for sure, right? Two national ch- two national titles in three years. He's done man. a great job in college. I'm not going to take that away from him. My only issue is that I'm not placating to Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, to me, like he got his money. Maybe not plate, not placating. Bringing in his college coach. Come on, that's a blatant. Like, I mean, 
the way that things went down for Kyle Lowry at the end of this season, where he's sulking up there, talking about how like he's wearing his hat all low, looking like the biggest suck ever. The way that he played like crap in the last two games for the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs. The way that he's gone down in the past few years for the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs when they needed him the most. And then you still gave him a, a shit ton of money that, I mean... We're gonna be proved. It's gonna be proven that he's not worth. And then bringing in his college coach, whether Jay Wright is qualified or not, the optics of that—that that Kyle Lowry would be running your your organization—after we know that Kyle Lowry and Dwayne Casey butted heads a lot, we know that they didn't really see eye to eye. Something that Kyle Lowry, for some reason, decided to remind us all while saying in his in his a uh, farewell quote to Dwayne Casey that he gave to Woj. Right, Kyle Lowry decided to also remind us that although him and Casey didn't see eye to eye, which I found was really a weird time to bring that up, but right, right, but obviously not really breaking news. True, either. but why would you bring that up? My my point is, it's surly Kyle Lowry. You cannot bring in Kyle Lowry's college coach. No, not a chance. No, not here for that at all. I'm I'd be trying saying. to trade Kyle Lowry right now, not bring in his college coach. That's just me. I mean, I mean, I would bring. Listen, I think. I think that the NBA has had a long stigma of bringing in college coaches to coach pro teams. And they're not the only yeah. league. The NFL is the same way like this is uh, For sure. too. And because there's been a lot of situations where you've get, you, you see teams get burned by these college, college yeah. coaches in both leagues. But I think that what's happening with Boston and Brad Stevens – and Danny Ainge is something that a lot of other franchises in the NBA are going to try to emulate. Maybe. To try to make it like a program than a team. To start with the top, with the ownership, GM, coach, build the culture. We know that Masai wants to do that. No, that's interesting. We, we know that's something that he wants to do. And why not try to you know, start a long relationship with a youngish coach from college to come in and really know how to put in his culture for your team. Hey man, I mean that's super interesting, Webby. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say to that because I never really looked at that as a serious, a serious uh, possibility. It's well, interesting. I, I don't. It's interesting. I don't understand why Jerry Stackhouse is a real choice out there. Listen, Stacks the man. Not somebody I'd ever want to cross. <laughs> and listen, did a great job with the G League team. But, bro, Jay Wright has a decade of real basketball coaching experience. And not just coaching, but like I said, building a program. And that's what these teams are looking to do now, I think, in the NBA. It's interesting, Webby. That's a solid debate. I want to hear from the people, though. Let us know what you think. I'm going to put this video out there separately, for sure, where we talk about who should be the next Raptors head coach. I definitely, at this point now, like, you know, I didn't really think the problem was with Casey. I thought the problem was with the players. And so now that Casey's gone, and it appears that, at least from a, a, an outsider's point of view, we're dealing with the same crew, the same cast of characters. I'm kind of down with them bringing in Stackhouse because I, I feel like maybe it might be a more respected voice in terms of a player that they recognize, that they might respect, that, you know, as you said, no nonsense, no BS kind of guy. He's not going to take no bullshit from Kyle Lowry. Like, I might be down with the Stack train. Webby obviously down with the Jay Wright train. We'll see what the Raptors end up doing. Yeah, people, let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter. Definitely here for that conversation. Also, we should mention uh, Dwayne Casey, rumored to be uh, one of the favorites oh, now to go to Detroit to be there. Definitely, coach. and not only that, but that's not a short drive, and that's a team that the Raptors play a lot in the regular season. And yes, I can see, it is. I can see Dwayne Casey definitely coming back to haunt the Raptors. Right? Super interesting stuff. NBA always crazy, always fun. And, you know, we're here to talk about it each and every Thursday for sure. You'll probably hear this podcast on Friday morning, but NBA is so crazy. I'm looking forward to both series coming down to the wire, of course, whether both end up going six or – well, both will go six 
at least. Oh, just let both go seven, please. Right? That would be great for NBA fans to see. That would be an amazing thing. So, so good. But, you know, here's the other thing, too, Webby, that, that's going on in the NBA. As soon as this season ends, the offseason is going to be so great. And deep down inside, I'm probably way more excited for the offseason than cool. I am for what's going to happen in the NBA Finals. That's just me, though. Can't wait for all that to play out. Not only that, but we didn't talk about the draft lottery either. Yeah, the draft lottery. What what did you make of that, Webby? I know there was a lot of things going on there because obviously I feel like Dallas got Dallas got kind of screwed. Yep, they've had some bad luck. Mark Cuban tr- admitting that he's been trying to tank for how long and yeah. not getting the not getting at hey, all the luck. That here's he another. Here's another thing. What about Rick Carlisle? I mean, why would Rick Carlisle want to spend his time uh, coaching a rebuild? Isn't that somebody who maybe, I mean, we've seen it before in the NBA where you trade a pick. There was a rumor recently that Rick Carlisle was linked to some, was it Milwaukee's job? There's something that Rick yeah, Carlisle, no, no, now. no, but it was before Budenholzer went to the Bucks. I can't remember what it was, but Carlisle had to come out and make a statement saying, hey, I'm the coach of, like, I'm definitely the coach of the Dallas Mavericks. So these reports are false, blah, blah, blah. Like, he had to come out and make that statement because it was gaining steam, you know, the possibility of him, of him leaving. The funny part, too, of that whole situation is Mark Cuban's given him crappy players. But because he's such a good yeah. coach, they haven't been able to tank properly. <laughs> right. They kind of middle. Yeah. Yeah. Tough situation there. Um, Obviously, once the season ends and the draft becomes a way bigger thing, we will talk a lot more about kind of the draft prospects and all this stuff happening. But you mentioned the so lottery. Get, get on YouTube. Get on YouTube and start watching your Doncic highlights because that kid's that kid can ball. I'm man. not here for that. I like you're no, not here for Doncic. I'm not, I'm not really. I'm just gonna say, and and this is gonna sound super racist, and I don't mean it to be, but. What player from overseas? <laughs> there's, there's never been. There's never been anything no, no, no. Uh, disappointing that comes after that statement. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, okay. And and I, I it's not going to. I'll just say it. But what European guard has come into the NBA and dominated? Hmm. Well, okay. Like Ricky Rubio's okay. Right. I was gonna say Let's Rubio. Let's just say a guard. And, and, no, sorry. And Rubio's say- Rubio's career, Rubio's career really derailed after the uh, the injury that he had. Was it an ankle? The injury he had him. Yeah, yeah. The injury he had in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know what you're saying. You listen. And, and we were singing Ricky's praises earlier, too. I'm just saying, like... He's kind of changed his game. I'm just saying someone that has... What guard that has come from somewhere other than the NCAA or high school... Right, has come into the NBA and dominated. I just think in these Bro. leagues, when we're looking at guards and guards getting buckets, it's a different animal Bro. in the NBA, man. My guy's 18 years old. I'm I'm well aware of that, and I'm not saying that he's going to be he's, crap. He's the leader. He's the leader of that team. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that he's crap. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's going to be a bust. And you know what? Maybe like my initial statement of this is going to sound pretty racist made it sound a lot worse <laughs> because at the same time I'm not taking DeAndre Ayton with my top pick either because I'm not taking who, a big guy. Who are you taking? I would man? take Bagley, man. Yeah, I just don't think but like isn't I'm, you know isn't Bagley just Jalil Okafor ooh, though? No, 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 no. He's not. He's like a wing, like scorer, man. He like he can. Sh- he's okay, man. He's all right. He's all right. He he he's nice, that, man. He's nice. My thing too is I'm taking I, someone, and I know that Doncic can shoot. Can shoot, right? I'm not saying that. I know that. Can he get a shot off in the league? That's what I want to see. That's what I want to know. How tall is he? Right. I not that. He's like a guard, six, right? He's three. like six. He's he's not like six eight, six nine, or anything like that, right? No, no, no. So, I, he's big though. He's not tiny for sure. I just worry about that going forward. And you know, I haven't watched nearly enough YouTube videos for sure. That's what's going to happen over the next month. We're all going to watch as many YouTube videos as possible to to get up on our our draft knowledge of where uh, Luca will go, right? But 
the draft always brings entertainment. The draft is always good times, always so much fun. And to be honest, I can't wait to see what happens. Six because, seven, bro. He's six seven. Yeah, I mean, Dominic, I hear you. Baby. I hear you, Webby. I'm just when I watch the highlights, I'm like, I don't know if that crossover step back Jimmy is fast enough to get that off. And you, you know what's hilarious? I was watching ESPN the other night. I was watching ESPN the other night, okay? And it was like the EuroLeague semifinal or final, whatever right. it was. And they're showing Doncic highlights. And they were split-screening his highlights with James Harden highlights. Showing like, <laughs> oh, he has a step back. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, What are we, what are we doing right now? ESPN, Listen, come on, a, guys. Right? Is a, step back, is a step back Jimmy in Europe just not as wet in America? Well, does it clear the isn't, same isn't, airspace? Is this defender back are the defenders of the same quality Jimmers, in Europe as they are in the NBA? That's what I'm saying. Step back Jimmy's always wet no matter where the game is played. Mind you, this is one thing I will say that would disprove my my whole theory here. While I'm watching this this videotape of this guy doing step back jumpers that I don't think can be defended in the NBA, my question is, do they even play defense in the NBA anymore? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right? That's also another subplot. But again, the NBA calendar never stops. We got crazy series going on, as mentioned. Right now, I think it's a tie game right now between Golden 66, State. 66. Tie game between Golden State and Houston as that continues. So, you know. You missed, uh, I don't know if you had the game on, but uh, Chris Paul hit a crazy three-pointer. Yeah. And did the did the shimmy right in Steph Curry's face? Everything about that I love. (laughs) Everything about that I love. So good, so so good. Uh, But yeah, I mean, as we wrap up this edition of the Ball on Blast podcast, as always, we we always hit with Ask on Blast, which is always just random questions about just other things that you might want to know, other things that are going on in the world of culture or popular culture, right? And we missed, I missed you last week, Webby, but I do have a question for you that I don't know the answer to. All right. And it's simply, did you watch the Royal Wedding? (laughs) I believe I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that I was away for a bachelor party weekend. Okay. So, so no, I did not watch (laughs) the Royal Wedding. Please tell me, Shelly, I know you love your TMZ. (laughs) Shelly, Shelly, tell me you didn't wake up early and watch it. Okay, here's the truth of the matter of exactly what happened, okay? (laughs) So Friday was one of my, like, really good friends, like, childhood friends' birthdays. So it was the first time to be out with all the boys in a long time. We went out. It was a pretty late night. And then we went back to one of our other friends' places, kept drinking, kept partying, and as you tend to as do, it, it happens. It happens. And I mean, it was the first time this has happened in a long time, to be honest, especially out with like the, the old crew. So it was a good night yeah. out, good night of partying. And I got home and the sun's up and I turn on the TV and the royal wedding was on. Did I watch the whole thing? No, I fell asleep. <laughs> but I did see a part of it. I saw people like walking into it and whatever. And then I went to sleep. You saw a part of the wedding. I, I saw a part of it. Like people were walking into the church. And she was like driving in the car. I think I saw her walk into the church actually, but that was it. That's so I can't say I watched the royal wedding. I did, you know, see some clips on it after. And shout out to the the that gospel choir. Shout out to the black choir. Yeah, bringing the soul. Yeah, and shout out to the shout out to the black uh, priest. Yeah, my guy was my guy was doing. He work. was going. Yeah, to, my guy was doing. Yeah, man. that was great. Uh, shout out to the choir. Dope job. You know, we talked about it before on earlier editions of the Ball on Blast podcast. Meghan Markle. I've been team Meghan Markle for a while because I'm, I'm a Suits fan. I've been watching Suits from the beginning. <laughs> so I've been on the Meghan Markle train for a while before she was the Duchess of Sussex or whatever the hell her, her actual <laughs> title is. But we, the gimmicks of it well, all. We're down for we're down for it. absolutely. The, the gimmicks of it all, though, was the funniest part because I'm just like, really, like they're friends with Serena Williams and Oprah and Idris Elba, like Stringer Bells George at Clooney. the royal wedding. Like that's a thing I'm seeing <laughs> <Yeah>. right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's incredible. Like who would have thought that Stringer Bell? I well, maybe that's where Stringer Bell always was striving to get to. No, <laughs> that's a really he's good trying point. to get into those I circles. Guess- that's the culmination. If Stringer Bell lives, <laughs> does he make it to the royal wedding? <laughs> right? That's incredible. From West Baltimore 
to the Buckingham Palace. That is a come up. Hundred <laughs> percent. Too bad brother moves on. I had to get to him first. <laughs> right. Uh, now, lastly, Webby, the last question from one great show, The Wire, oh. to Atlanta. Atlanta wrapped up. Oh. And if you've been following this podcast, you know we've ended every single episode just singing the praises of Atlanta. Just how much we love it. Season's over. What did you think, Webby? Oh, how great. Like, I mean, the whole time from when he put that gun into his backpack, I was like, oh, no. I knew, right? And then he was standing in line, and you're just waiting and waiting. So, But here's my question. Is Earn at the end, he was like or – he, or Earn turns to Al, and he's like – yeah, I put that in. I put that in the other rapper's bag. Yeah. So does that mean Al? Like, who put it in the manager's bag? I think the what's the rapper's name? I don't even remember. Uh, Clark, Clark County. County. Yes, I think he put it into his manager's bag. I think he did, or his manager switched it and took the blame, or something went down. But I, I think Clark County put it into his manager's bag. That's if I had to bet, if I was a guess a betting man, that's that's my guess. But my question and is And that makes that whole that makes that whole like your family, you know, you give a shit. Exactly. Like obviously he'd never do that to Al and Al'd never do that exactly. to him. Exactly. Exactly, right? Yeah. But what did you make of that final scene just in the the sense that Al is sitting there and he's saying this is exactly what I'm talking about because I've heard different takes of how people read that scene and i read it as this is what i'm talking about like al saying to earn this is what i'm talking about you always seem to be fucking up and getting into these fucked up situations and i can't afford to have that now your family and so i need that you get me you understand me and i need that around but these are the fuck ups that i'm talking about that we can't have happen that's how i read that but yeah. other people yeah i heard I- kind of read it differently as if like he was saying you handled this situation, and this is why I need you around. No, no, no. I thought it was like, but that's what family is. Like, you're a fuck up, but that's what I need. Like, we're all fuck yeah, ups. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and I think that's kind of what the whole season was about, yeah. right? Like, the getting stole on and like, uh, or getting stunting on, <laughs> yes. and, and like, yeah. and, and and just the way that Al got beat up by those guys and then went through the woods and like. They're all just kind of fuck-ups, but they're still making it, right? Because they're all together and they're a family. Exactly. That's kind of what I got from Yeah, it. no, I, I thought it was a great show, great ending. And uh, I think I was listening to one of the Ringer podcasts, and they brought up the fact that this, the way that that wrapped up, it could have been like a series finale. No. Well, here's the thing, right? It's more so to do with the fact of Donald Glover and his career, right? Like some of the things that Donald Glover – that he has going on and is like the other things he has going on in his career, how much time can you really put forth to a television show? Right. And like, that's a lot of effort. It's a lot of work. Here's a great thing. Donald Glover is so creative and has such a motor that, I mean, that's his show. Right. So, and that's, what's awesome about FX as well is that they seem to give, the artists and the creators of those shows a lot of leeway so i mean even if he does take a year or two off i'm sure that fx wouldn't mind and they would give him that slot right back for sure no super interesting stuff either way and i i hope for sure as a fan of the show that it's not the final season of atlanta hopefully it comes back and you know what webby hopefully you come back as well next week oh i'll oh i'll be back (laughs) next week Because we'll be getting right. We got to keep going on Donchich. Oh, yes. I will watch more YouTube clips. People, let us know in the comment section what you make of the NBA draft that's coming up. What you make of the NBA finals and conference finals. Let us know what you think. Tell us what you think about Jay Wright coaching the Raptors. For sure. Let us know about that. Undoubtedly, let us know what you think of the next Raptors coach. Uh, Webby, where can the people hit you up and tell you about your terrible Jay Wright takes? <laughs> I can't. I, I thought you would be I'm so joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Listen, he made uh, he made DiVincenzo look like fucking Michael Yo, Jordan. He's, he's probably going to be um, a lottery pick. I see him in some mock drafts. No, no, I see no, him no. going first yeah, round. They, no, I've seen mock I, drafts with Dante DiVincenzo in the first round. <laughs> Well, smart. There's some smart teams. Listen, I know the Sixers. Sixers have a lot of picks. Is what I'm saying. A lot of picks. Do you remember? Now I'll bring this up too. Just before we go, I, this is going way back, but this would be like early 2000s. 
and Temple made a run, a little bit of a run, uh, in the tournament, and they had this kid Pepe Sanchez. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Do you yeah, remember Pepe definitely. Sanchez? And then he got – I don't think he got drafted, but he definitely ended up on the Sixers and was like for two weeks like just the biggest thing in the city was Pep, was Pepe Sanchez. I do remember that. I definitely remember that. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So, uh, yo, uh, hit me up on Twitter, AWebster84, uh, on Instagram also at AWebster84. And you can find me – at Shell Alexander on Twitter and at Sheldon Alexander on Instagram. And again, tune in next week as we will have a brand new edition of the Ball on Blast podcast. Ooh, in English. The Ball on Blast <laughs> podcast, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. There's a reason I say that. It's not just because it's a catchy line, but it's because we really are. It's because it's the Unpolished truth. and unapologetic. And until next time, for my guy Andrew Webster, I'm Sheldon Alexander. We'll see you next week. See ya. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla.